So it's 1963, and I've just got my mechanics license, but the magic of fixing cars has is gone. So, uh, so, and 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 it's become heaven forbid. It's become kind of of normal. Welcome and thank you for joining us for Episode 7 of The Many Near Deaths of John Heisinga. John Heisinga is my father, and he has almost died a great number of times and in an unusual variety of ways. I spied a young cowboy wrapped all in white linen. So, so I'm restless, so then my brother George is not working, so we decide in the dead of winter, January of 63 to go to Mexico. What made you guys decide Mexico? Because where else can you go? Because we couldn't afford to go to Europe. I'd already been there. And Mexico was an exotic, faraway destination that we could drive to. Ah. So so we did. We drove we drove through the entire United States, get into Mexico. Mexico at this time was a really third world impoverished country. There were very few tourists, there were no throughways, and it was just little villages, people having a hard scrabble life. So uh, I just want to stop you for a second. Um, number one, what did you drive? Pardon me? What did you drive? Oh, we had a Georgia 1958 Volkswagen. Oh, is this like the bug style? The oh yeah, and yeah. So the Beetle okay. was an exciting new concept for Canadians, and got really good gas mileage. Okay, so, and this was just like the car he had, and yeah. so you drove it. It's not like you didn't go buy it for the no, trip. No, no, no. no. Okay. this was the car he had. So I put a and, bunch and, of tools in the back, and off we go. And then is this? Um, an unusual, is this a highly unusual thing to do at this time? At this time, it was highly unusual. And did people think like um, that you were, this was dangerous or that you two were nuts or, you know, did you tell anyone? Oh, yeah, we told everybody, but they thought it was frivolous <laughs> oh. and life is more serious to be gallivanting around in Mexico. Who knows what Mexico is about? But it's a really primitive, poor country. It's dangerous. There's bandits and all these things. And why do you want to do this? Well, what would what would Dutch immigrant uh, Canadian Dutch immigrants living and farming in Canada? What would be their cultural frame of reference for what is Mexico? They probably didn't have a really good idea. In fact. But they knew there had been a really bloody revolution there. Okay, so like Pancho Villa and that that was kind of the the thing that they might have known about they, that? Okay. They probably would have known okay. some of that. But they'd also heard that it was kind of a wild place with bandits and uh and there was very little tourism at the time. And is this um when did Treasure of the Sierra Madre come out? Well, that came out in nineteen fifty. Oh, so there's there's like some movies around too that maybe people <laughs> yeah. are aware of, yeah. and that's kind of informing yeah. their image of what they think you two are going into. That's what they okay. think we're going into. Okay. So we head off. 
and we drive through the United States, have a bunch of adventures because we don't know we're supposed to sit in the back of the bus, not supposed to sit in the back of the bus, stuff like that. Why, why would you be sitting in a bus if you had a car? In New Orleans. Oh, you like parked your car and... Yeah. <laughs> and we and we got to go across the city. So then what do you do? You get in the back of the bus. Well, well, I tell you, we get going about, I don't know, five minutes, and the bus stops. Then the driver's there ranting and raving away at somebody pointing in our direction. We don't know it's about us. Then the black people beside us tell us, you better get off. <laughs> Because this is dangerous. We had no idea. So then Georgia, by that time, figures out we're on the wrong bus. So we get off. And it's not until later that we figure out that... Uh, you were inadvertent freedom riders. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay, so you get to Mexico. Well, Mexico is so impoverished. But I, I just need to ask you about the border crossing. Yeah. What was the border crossing like? Oh, it was, was easy. Any... It was easy. Okay. Yeah, it okay. was just easy. Were there passports at that time? Oh, yeah. We okay. had passports. And the Mexicans give you a visa right away. Oh, okay. And, uh, and then we drive into Mexico. And it's like driving into another world. There's little mud huts. There's poverty. There's everything. And, of course, there's little narrow winding roads. Did you guys have a plan going down there? No. Did you have like a, it, <laughs> you can tell I'm a little stymied by this in the age of Google Maps and Expedia yeah, and Airbnb, but you, you had no plan, no, like you just thought we'll just. No, but we bought a roadmap of Mexico. Okay. So, okay. And where we, where we're heading for initially is Mexico City. Oh, okay. So this is but the. We get into Mexico at the very Eastern end of it, meaning right on the, right on the Gulf. Okay. And I think it was called Matamoros. But, and then we drive through these Mexican hinterlands, which are very mountainous, and little peasant villages. And it goes, so, so yeah. So, so then, eventually, we get to Tosco. Because Tosco is famous. And, uh, and we had uh, some names that uh, somebody had given us people to look up. And so we get to Tosco, and Tosco is this fabulous silver city. And so Tosco had been, the Spaniards got enormous wealth of silver from Tosco. And so all the silver was then trucked to the coast and loaded onto galleons. And so George told me all this. Well, once it's loaded onto galleons, it makes its way to Spain, and it's intercepted by Dutch privateers. Oh. <laughs> P-time. P-time, sein Name ist Klein Masudal und sein So the, all this silver from Tosco helps pay for the Dutch War of Liberation from Spain. <laughs> So, so this is some sort of poetic justice. Well, we really like that story. And so, <laughs> but meanwhile, what we want to do is we want to go into the hinterlands of the state of Guerrero. Guerrero is one of the least known and developed states in Mexico. At that time. At that time. And it has no maps, no roads, no maps of the mesh of 
dirt roads that went to Guerrero, and Guerrero was also had a bad reputation for bandits. Okay, so we want to see the real Guerrero. What attracted you to uh, the? <laughs> so somebody you've gotten the information that hey, this is really off the beaten track, and also there's lots of bandits. And your thought was fantastic. Let's go there. Well, more or less. Well, I don't <laughs> know about the bandits so much, but we wanted to be off the beaten track, and we're going to go into villages that white people haven't seen, and da 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 da. So, so then that's kind of. <laughs> Can I just ask? When you say white people, do you mean Canadians? Well, it doesn't matter. Americans, Canadians, Europeans. I mean, the Spanish were there. Long time ago. Okay. The Spanish were there uh, with a contingent of soldiers behind. Right, right, so, right, right. Not tourists. No. Okay. So, so we kind of have that in the back of our mind. It's not really a plan. But then until we go to this bar and we meet this guy, Alejandro. Okay. And at the time in Mexico, it was all extremely chauvinistic. So you had to be a real man, and I was pretty good at that. <laughs> so, so you'd 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 drink beers and clash glasses together till they virtually break, and 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 yell "Viva Mexico!" They love. They just ate that right up at that time. So then we become friends. So then we tell him we'd really like to see Guerrero, and he says, "You are one lucky. You are one set of lucky guys. I'm from Guerrero, and my village is like two days' drive in this fine car you've got, and I'll take you there. And if you want to go further, I can take you into the hinterlands of Guerrero like nobody else. Okay, deal. Okay, so we set off, and this is just." Like, you just had gone into a bar because that's something you can do yeah. and and struck up conversation right. with a guy who was there. Yeah, we okay. had already figured out how to connect with Mexican people is, at that point in time, right, is uh, to have, because uh, I was young and 23 and strong like an ox, and, uh, and, uh, and you just put on this macho front, and that would do things like you'd bash your beer bottles together uh, for a toast so that they would almost break. So that was good. So so we, so then Alejandro... So the, Sorry, this is the way you, you you started with the way to connect with people. Mexican guys. Oh, okay. It was to go into the bar. Yeah. To go to bars. Yeah. Okay. So then we, 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 we get our stuff and then Alejandro... It's only about two o'clock in the afternoon. So he said, we can take off and we get halfway there. So we take off. So we go up this incredibly steep, steep cobblestone road. And we're going to the Mirador, which is a loco. So about halfway up, we stop at a little tienda, a little store. And they get out and George gets out too. And then, after a while, they need beer to take along. <laughs> so after some time, they all come back. And we proceed to drive up the cobblestone road, steep, steep. 
Who's they, Dad? There's Alejandro, you, and George. No, and he has a sidekick. Oh, okay. And okay. the sidekick is called Pancho, and the sidekick, it's it, the sidekick. He Alejandro is obviously the the, the alpha male here. Uh huh. So so there's four of us in the car. So then, as we begin to drive, George tells me this story, but he talks in Frisian, so they don't have a hope in hell of understanding. Well, what it was is when they were in the tienda, there's this woman there, this old crone, and Alejandro says, well, I need uh, this, I need a, you know, a box of barrel of beer or something, and but he has no money. Uh-huh. So he wants it on credit. Uh-huh. And he says, look, don't worry. I'm going to be back here in a week, and I'm going to have lots of money, and, uh, and, and, and I'm going to have a car. And she says, he says, because I'm taking these two gringos to my village, and halfway to the village, we're going to dump them down the warm throat of the caldera. So, huh. so George tells me this. We're driving along, right? Well, what do we do? Well, well, we got to get them out of the car so we can take off. Well, they don't. How do you get them out of the car? Well, we had been to the meter door before, so we knew where it was. So we get there, and then we say, "Okay, we have to see the view." They don't really want to stop, but then they all get out. Then, then they get out of the car. George locks the car, but the little sidekick Pancho he stays. So Alejandro and George and I walk to the rim, and there's the city of Tosco spread below us, right? It's a gorgeous city because they had all this money in the 17th century, and they built this exquisite little town with the, with some of the money. And, uh, and so we're standing there looking at that. And then we get back to the car. Well, we don't. Our plan isn't working. How are we going to get rid of these guys, right? And so just as we approach the car, I take my jackknife that I got from my father. It was a German heather knife with a seven-inch blade. And I take that out. And what I do is I, I hold it in such a way that only the last two inches, only the last two inches, the tip of the blade sticks out uh, from my fist. So as we approach the car, I just hit Alejandro as hard as I can, right in his gut. And, but then when I pull my hand back, I shift the knife. So what he sees is the full seven-inch blade with blood on it, lots of blood on it. And so he thinks that she's just been... And so he falls down on the ground, he deflates like a balloon, and he yells, Mama, Mia, Mama, Madre, da, da, da. and he's just... And, and, and then... His, uh, the puncher, when he sees his general has fallen, he bolts out of the car and runs as fast as the little legs will take him. And then we get in the car and we take off before Alejandro figures out he's not really hurt that much. Wow. So what it was, it was men in Friesland would do that. They would take a knife and have only the tip of the blade show. Then they'd have a knife fight. And uh-huh. the first guy to draw blood wins. Uh-huh. But, and so my father showed me this trick. Uh-huh. So, so then we're going back down the little cobblestone street. And then uh, we meet a police car, siren blaring, lights on, 
we stop, they stop, and they've come to rescue us. Oh, the woman at the tienda called. No. Oh. Somebody had seen us going with Alejandro and his sidekick, and from, these were... From moving, the bar. Well, from the bar. And they're muy malo, or driving, who knows what. Uh, but these are known as muy malo hombres, right? These are bad guys. And they figured, yeah, these two tourists are on their way to just disappear. And so they're up there to rescue us. Wow. So, uh, What did they think of your story? Well, so I tell them my story. Yeah. And, and? they says, stupido, next time use the whole blade. This is Mexico. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> and then you guys took off. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you can join us for the next episode of The Many Near Deaths of John Heisinger. I'm a young cowboy and know I've done.